Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're ever injured in an accident and you're worried about if a lawyer is going to cost you too much money, the advocates, they will provide help for you. No out-of-pocket costs until your case is settled. You pass the stress of your accident off to the advocates. That helps you focus on getting better. To find out how the advocates can help you, you can call them free of charge, 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! What's up, Montana? I feel so light. It's amazing when it opens up a little bit. It's new on us now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on your Tuesday. Hope you're having a great start to the week. The sunshine does wonders. Spring sports on the horizon. It's a fun time of year for sure. And as much as we love the grind, it's uh, good to take a step back as well and let the show breathe. We got a lot of feedback yesterday about the show because I think we talked about every sport that's has been going or is now about to be going in the state of Montana and also took you around the wider world of sports on a national level as well. And we still didn't even get to some stuff because we spent a lot of time on the uh, infamous slap at the Oscars. So uh, we won't do as much on Chris Rock and Will Smith today. We are going to talk some more college hoops because it is the, the height of March Madness. We're all going to talk some NBA. I haven't talked some NBA in a little while, but I got my five best storylines going in the league right now. Uh, playoffs fast approaching, which also means the Masters is fast approaching as well. It's so uh, funny and fun because I get to go to so many sporting events during the uh, September through March 
portion of the calendar because I'm almost always covering games for both ESPN Missoula as well as Skyline Sports. So, you know, we're at the football games, at the basketball games, at the volleyball games, high school games and stuff like that too. And uh, then when it turns to about April, that's when I start watching the stuff that you guys are all watching on national TV, the NBA playoffs and major championship golf specifically. So uh, we'll start to talk about some NBA stuff, maybe talk a little Masters as well. 4.30, maybe, maybe not. Tommy Evans got a story to tell. He's been teasing it for a little while. Uh, he's our engineer our, and our uh, veteran producer here at ESPN Radio. And uh, he has an appointment. He doesn't know if he's going to be back or not. But either way, maybe we'll get into some baseball uh, during 4.30. Maybe we'll have a little history lesson, a literature lesson. I don't know. We're just going to talk. We're going to have a great conversation. So uh, hopefully you're in for that. And uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us, no matter what you're in for. We're also going to talk uh, some Grizz tennis. Been a little while since the Grizz tennis w- team was getting some headlines, but they have a very impressive freshman from Denmark, who, by the way, will join us on Wednesday. Gustav Thielgard is his name, and uh, he was recently named the Big Sky Men's Tennis Player of the Week, and that's the second time he's won it during his freshman year already. The, the Grizz in the top 65 uh, in the national rankings, actually 66th this week to be exact, but still impressive. An impressive start to their season. It is a Tuesday as well, so we will have both a business angle with Justin Angle, a fun conversation about the marketability and branding that goes along with collegiate coaches, particularly high-level Division I men's basketball coaches. Mike Krzyzewski is the overwhelming storyline in sports right now, and that that existence, that finality, that pending retirement that Krzyzewski has on the horizon is certainly... Uh, very thought-provoking from a variety of different ways, whether it's uh, analyzing sort of the arc and history of college basketball, the state of the game right now. But also the one thing I've been thinking about is just how hand-in-hand iconic coaches and men's college basketball teams, programs are, uh, how much those have a symbiotic relationship. And if maybe Mike Krzyzewski is is sort of a dying breed, I don't know if he is, but I I thought about it a little bit more last night. So I'll give you some of my... uh, Guys that could be, I don't want to say the Nest Krzyzewski, because I don't know if anybody's going to come along and go to 13 Final Fours and, and win 1,200 games. But, you know, just be at your school for decades at a time. Be synonymous with your school's name. Um, you know, be, become, I mean, like when Bobby Knight was out at Indiana, he was arguably the most powerful person at the University of Indiana. I mean, he essentially, I believe the president lost his job and or resigned because of the Bobby Knight uh transpirings in Bloomington. So um, it's interesting, an interesting conversation. We'll get into that a little bit. And we'll also have our Treasure State Stars for the week highlighting some of the best of the best from around the state of Montana. That is our show outlook. It's presented by Brent Wahlberg and the Wahlberg team. Brent and his team, the official realtors of Grizz Athletics, they can answer any of your questions when it comes to residential or commercial real estate in and around western Montana. Give Brent and his team a call today. We can always be found online. You can stream the show, any of your mobile devices, whether it's your laptop, your cell phone, your tablet, by visiting our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Click on the Listen Live tab, and you'll find the stream. You can also get a hold of us, and have no fear. I know we've uh, one of the great parts of this show, one of the fun parts of this show, one of the most engaging parts of this show is how often we give you sweet prizes. And... This month, because we were on the road so often, and when we're broadcasting from San Diego through the Northwest Motorsport Studio here on ESPN Radio, sometimes it's hard for us to, like, take calls. And 
we, we don't want to derail the connection, whatever. It's also not as engaging for me because I'm just not able to firsthand be there to take the call. So regardless, all of our sweet sponsors and all of our giveaways, they're all basically wrapped up into our bracket challenge, our March Madness giveaway. One of those being Tagliari Deli. So every single Tuesday, we give you an opportunity to win a $25 gift card to Tagliari Deli, best sandwiches in the city of Missoula, also a great wine selection, if I don't say so myself. So we're going to continue to to tell you all about Tagliari on Tuesdays. It is still Tagliari Tuesday. We uh, just are giving all the gift cards away for the month in our Bracket Challenge uh, ESPN Missoula Bracket Challenge tournament pool. So appreciate everybody for entering. Hopefully your bracket's doing well. It's going to be fascinating because I was going through some of like the top 10 people in there, and so many people's national champions are already out. So they're into the top 10. But who's got the lingering Duke that's going to give them a bunch of extra points towards the end? Who's got Duke, Kansas in the final? I bet you there's somebody out there, and uh, that's probably going to be the person that's going to have the upper hand in that. But it still is a Tagliari Tuesday, so even though we won't be doing any uh, giveaway via the phone line or the text line, uh, we'll still you know continue to support our great sponsor in Tagliari who presents Tagliari Tuesday each Tuesday here on Nuanas Now. If you want to be a hold of, get a hold of us, excuse me, uh, via phone call or via text, you always can, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. And, of course, we are broadcasting to you through the Northwest Motorsports Studio. Only a couple days left in March, but they do have special APRs all March long down at Northwest Motorsport. You can check them out here in Missoula at the corner of Stevens and Mount, or you can visit online. Check out the largest inventory of trucks, trucks, and more trucks, largest inventory anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. All you have to do is visit nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. Nuanas Now ESPN Radio, Coulter Nuanas coming to you here on 102.9 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide SWX Montana Television. Let's... Finish first a discussion that we had yesterday. We were talking about Mike Krzyzewski, and we're going to talk about this with Justin Angle as well uh, at the top of the second hour, 5 o'clock hour. We were talking about Mike Krzyzewski's tenure at Duke and the unbelievable, the almost unprecedented success that he's had. I think that one of the only there, – there's Mike Krzyzewski sort of in a group all his own with the exception of probably John Wooden. The biggest difference between Krzyzewski and Wooden, I guess twofold, Wooden has twice as many national titles. Wooden was also such a pioneer of the game, and his UCLA teams were among the most influential factors in making the NCAA tournament the the worldwide spectacle that it is, the, the greatest tournament in America, as Danny Sprinkle, Montana State's head coach, called it multiple times before his team played in it for the first time in 26 years. But on the other hand, the Wizard of Westwood, while, was, while he was at UCLA for a long time, nowhere close to as long as Mike Krzyzewski was at Duke. So will we see another coach that's at an institution for 42 years? I don't know. Part of it is because Mike Krzyzewski got hired at such a young age. He also established uh, expectation at the school, at Duke, that didn't previously exist. Whoever's next, Hubert Davis has done a great job in North, North Carolina. Obviously, they're in the Final Four. But whoever's next at North Carolina, whoever's next at Kansas, whoever's next at some of these programs with already established barometers for what they consider success, it's going to be harder 
or almost probably nearly impossible for someone to truly stay at a school for three, four decades. But there are a few coaches, and we mentioned you know, Jay Wright. He's been at Villanova now for, I believe, uh, 20 years. Bill Self, I believe this is his 19th season at Kansas. Mark Few, I think he's 17 or 18 years at the head as the head coach at Gonzaga. So all those guys have been at their places, had a ton of success. I think they have a lot of rope. I, I mean, I don't think there's really any scenario barring scandal or like a complete program collapse that would make Jay Wright or Bill Self or Mark Few get forced out anytime. But you do have to wonder with Gonzaga, like Gonzaga is a great example of what I'm talking about, resetting the bar for your barometer of success. Gonzaga was this cool and sort of cute Cinderella story for uh, in the 90s and early 2000s. And then they became like this perennial Cinderella and then became a burgeoning national power. And now they're absolutely a national power. They, They are probably the premier basketball school on the West Coast. Seven straight Sweet 16s. A couple Final Fours, the first Final Fours in their program history, a championship game appearance last year. But they, that national championship is what's eluding them. And you know, that's the thing that can solidify the sort of non-traditional power as a, as a true blue blood in college basketball. you got to have that one national championship. Like Jerry Tarkanian, such a great run at UNLV, multiple Final Fours. But if they wouldn't have won that one national championship, they'd be sort of floating in the same world that Gonzaga's floating in currently. So I do think they do need to finish the deal. I'm not insinuating that Mark Few is anywhere close to being on the hot seat, but if they continue to have Final Four and national championship expectations and then continue to fall short of those, that is going to be something that's detrimental to the narrative surrounding Mark Few and the Gonzaga program. But a couple other coaches I thought about that maybe are in the mix to be Long time at their institution because of their established success. Tony Bennett at Virginia is one. He's been there for, uh, at Virginia for uh, 13, 14 years. I think 2009 was his first season there at Virginia. Been to the Final Four. Has Tony Bennett won a national championship? I can't remember. He has yeah, won a national yeah, championship. Yes. Okay. Well, so the, the year after they lost to UMBC in the first round, right? They that's came right. Back that's and won right. It. They came back and won a national championship. So, so I think that the feather in your cap is when you get a natty, especially at a school like Virginia, who's always been good but always been sort of swimming in the the sea of ACC sharks and never been able to be, you know, even if you're a top 10 program in the country, you're still a lot of times chasing Duke, North Carolina. Another one I thought of, Dana Altman, who was sort of an institution all on his own at Creighton and now sort of reestablished that at Oregon. And um, it'll be interesting to see where Oregon goes from here. Because Altman did sort of set that bar high. It was sort of an Elite Eight or or Final Four level of expectation. They haven't quite been there the last couple years, but maybe they'll get it. Maybe it'll come back around. Uh, that's an interesting one, though. He's also leveraged himself into so much money that he's harder to fire. Yet he also works at Oregon, which is the easiest place to fire anybody because you can just go ask the boosters for money and <laughs> they cover the check. Another guy who I think is already in this conversation. I mean, as a, a institution of where he's at is Tom Izzo at Michigan State. I think his 23rd or 24th year at Michigan State, and, and he's been to a variety of Final Fours. He has a national championship. Well, one I put down this is sort of a joke, but not really, is Phil Martelli because he's the real coach of the Michigan Wolverines. I only sort of joke. I do think that Juwan Howard's a phenomenal figurehead and uh, an imposing character during games. But if you watch Michigan Live, which I have several times in the NCAA tournament the last couple of years, during the most of the timeouts, it's Phil Martelli, the longtime St. Joe's coach, that's uh, running the timeouts, not uh, not Joan Howard. A couple other names I thought of: Leonard Hamilton at Florida State. Uh, they're not quite in that top tier, but I think that that's one thing that's sort of 
disappeared as well. We were talking about this yesterday, coaches that were sort of institutions, and I was thinking about this, Andrew. You, Andrew Houghton, our producer here at ESPN Missoula, he's a D.C. guy, followed Maryland basketball heavily. I mentioned Lefty, Lefty Drizel, who was sort of an institution at Maryland, and I didn't realize Lefty Drizel actually never went to the Final Four. Yet he has so much reverence as a coach. But that sort of thing doesn't exist as much in college basketball because if your school is funding you at a you know top 30 level, they're expecting you to be Final Four or bust. And you just, it's so funny because you just wonder, like, where would Lefty Drizel have been in this day and age of big TV money and the ability to buy out contracts all the time? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, the Maryland thing is weird, too, because – Gary Williams was the also came in and and sort of also built up the program. But I think when we're talking about coaches from that era back then, it was different, right? And you have to give Lefty Drizel a ton of credit just for building up that program and sort of recognizing a lot of the talent around there in D.C. and getting them to go to Maryland. For sure. And and that's, you know, that's valuable and really recognizable, um, you know, even even without the results. Well, people also forget that it was conferences were sort of few and far between and way more catered to like football and way more catered to football in the South and like the Southwest. It was like the Southwestern conference and the Southeastern conference were like the conferences mostly made for football, but they forget that so much of college basketball and so much of being the head coach of a college basketball team was having sort of the sway and the gravitas and the connections to make your schedule. Like all those big East guys, they were just shooting from the hip until they finally deformed the Big East in the early 1980s. So who you knew and who you played and sort of building up the, the reputation of your your program as one that was warranted of being on TV and selling tickets and, and all that, I think that's one part that's maybe uh, not as big a part of the equation anymore as well. Nuana's now ESPN Radio. A couple other guys I just thought of off the top of my head. Matt Painter at Purdue, he's been there for a while. But, you know, Leonard Hamilton, Florida State, Pat, Matt Painter, Purdue, and even Mike Bray, Notre Dame, those guys are all sort of that second tier. They're not quite in that that conversation with the Jay Wrights of Illinois or the Bill Selves of Kansas. So, uh, interesting. The other guy I thought of was Eric Musselman, but I just don't really see him um, staying put. I just I just see him going somewhere else. Although Arkansas is a good job, it's a great job. But I I, uh, I just I see him maybe going somewhere else, whether it's the NBA or you know even getting poached by another Power Five school. And, and then the other one you guys put down, which is a good one, Scott Drew at Baylor. He's Actually, got he's got the title. That's a really now. good one. That's yeah. a really good one because he's been to the Final Four a couple times. He's got a title. He you know d- despite all of the controversy surrounding their athletic department, it's one of the great rebuilds in Division One. I. I mean, they were like a they won less than I don't know what the exact number is, but they definitely won less than ten games his first couple years. Yeah, and then have, have sort of rebuilt it. What they're rebuilding from is all of their own fault, and <laughs> you don't really want to praise somebody for for making something that, into a competitive squad when it was decimated by such uh, scandal. But regardless, I, I, Scott Drew is a good one as well. Yeah, and I think the guy that I, I, we should mention. I know we mentioned Tom Izzo today. He's the sure. guy who's clearly in that conversation with the other guys that we mentioned off the top of our heads. Yes. Yesterday, we just kind of forgot about him. The other thing I want to ask you, Coulter, is that when we're having this discussion, what do you feel about a guy like Bob McKillop at Davidson, who's been there for for thirty years or so and had a ton of success? For but sure, you can't. It's it's tough to break through on the national level at right. that program. Right. But he he's been there forever. He's well, been Davidson an icon. Was, Davidson was what a ten seed this year. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're doing a hell of a job though if you're getting a, sure. a non-power five to get consistently at-large bids that aren't. 
I mean, at-large bids, period. If you're getting 10 seeds, you're a top 40 program, that means. That's that's really impressive for a non-Power 5. There, isn't the coach at Oakland, hasn't he been there for He's also 30, been there for 35, 35 years, yeah, and yeah. And I believe that there's an older coach who's been there for years at Belmont as well. Interesting. Uh, Belmont, what was the statistic? Belmont was, uh, they're, they're one of three teams that have played seven or more NCAA tournament games that have never won an NCAA tournament game. I thought that was interesting. Huh. Uh, it looks like actually, so that guy is gone at Belmont. I think the guy at Oakland is still there. Um, but yeah, Belmont's head coach, it says here, is in his fourth season. So, Okay, so maybe the the Belmont coach had retired a little bit previously. Okay, interesting. Nuanas now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. We're going to continue to talk about this because I'm going to um, continue to think about it. I already know I am. I already t- plugged this, but... I think that of all the coach Mike Krzyzewski coverage so far, my favorite story is the secondary feature. Mike Krzyzewski is on the cover of Sports Illustrated, the most recent cover of Sports Illustrated. And the cover story is about his time at Duke and just all of the things in the world that have happened over the last 42 years. And Mike Krzyzewski sort of weaving his own narrative in it. And, you know, certainly embracing a reputation as one of the great villains in all of American sports for years and then sort of completely flipping the model on its head. But the best story I've read about Coach K so far is not about Duke at all. It's about when Mike Krzyzewski took over USA Basketball as the head coach. And for those that forgot or or didn't follow it closely, I've talked about it on this show a lot, but one of the most probably important Moments in the evolution of the NBA from uh, sort of an afterthought, the finals being played on tape delay, to then this global phenomenon. First, you had the 1979 National Championship game between Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Then you had both those guys go in the top three in the NBA draft and both become stars instantly for two of the most prominent franchises in the league with Bird with the Celtics, Magic Johnson with the Lakers. Then you had those two guys basically play each other for the championship in the NBA pretty much every year for the duration of the 1980s. And the only other time they ever shared any of the glory, you still had, you know, like Dr. J and the 76ers and um, I'm trying to think of other champions during the 1980s. Isaiah Thompson, or Thomas and the Bad Boy Pistons. I mean, you had a lot of star power. But probably the first tipping point to David Stern's grand plan to make the NBA into the most globalized of American sports that we export was during the the run of the Dream Team in 1992 when, when they first allowed professionals to play in the Olympics and Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, they went, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, they went on this basically international tour, uh, a, a goodwill tour, uh, as I, I guess you could say, as, a, as ambassadors for United States basketball. But probably the most impactful moment of the 21st century came when America lost in the 2004 Olympics, and it was this catastrophe because there was no there was no possible realm of 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 circumstance or result that could lead you to believing that America would not win the gold medal in the Olympics. Yet they didn't, and so they went this completely drastic direction, and they hired a college coach. And the story is all about Mike Shetsky and his relationship specifically with LeBron James and Kobe Bryant. And just how fascinating it was because Kobe Bryant was an NBA lottery pick 
before he was even legally old enough to vote. I mean, he, he was drafted a couple weeks before his 18th birthday. I mean, he was an all-star by the time he was 19. LeBron James was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He's 15 years old. These guys weren't exactly coached <laughs> during their upbringing. Basically, the teams they were playing on were operating under do whatever Kobe wants, do whatever uh, LeBron James wants. And, and that was true in the NBA as well. I mean, Phil Jackson, for all of his awesome Zen master ways, there's not a lot of coaching going on. I'm sure, that, sure they're running like Tex Winters triangle offense or whatever, but Phil Jackson's main purpose was to make sure that uh, Kobe Bryant and uh, Shaquille O'Neal didn't kill each other. And um, LeBron James has still to this day, 19 years into his time in the league, never really had a coach except Mike Krzyzewski. So I'd encourage you to read that article. I won't spoil it too much for you, but um, pretty interesting to hear because I think that there's only a few coaches on the on the earth that have the gravitas and the reputation and the fame and the power that Mike Krzyzewski has that he could tell you know, 2008 version of LeBron James, certainly an MVP caliber NBA player, but certainly still not the uh, mature man he is now. That discourse and those two back and forth, I think they would both tell you probably one of the more interesting and memorable times in their career, which leads us in then to some NBA storylines, some of my top five NBA storylines from the NBA right now. And uh, we're going to let this trickle into the next segment because Tommy uh, Tommy Evans, our uh, engineer here at Missoula Broadcasting Company, he was going to come on and share a story for our second segment today, but he is stuck at an appointment, so that's fine. We'll save the spot for him. So these this conversation about the NBA will, will trickle in here uh, into segment two, but we'll do a couple here uh, before we take a break. It is Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio. And we're sitting here uh, about mm, seven to ten games left in the NBA season, depending on which franchise you're looking at. The Phoenix Suns, the best record in the NBA, is at 61-14. and 14. Very impressive by them. The, my, the Miami Heat, excuse me, the best record in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they're 48-28. and 28. So we're getting down to it. The NBA uh, playoffs are just a couple weeks away, and so we very much look forward to that. But uh, we're going to go in reverse order. So here's my top five NBA storylines uh, right now as the regular season is, is getting closer to coming to, a, to an end. Storyline number five, just how awesome and good the rookies have been. I think that uh, some of my biggest influences when it comes to radio and podcasting uh, are Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo, and those two guys both do podcasts. They're, they've been collaborating a lot more lately, especially since Rosillo went out on his own, and he's been contributing at The Ringer now. But one common theme in their conversations, and I've noticed this as well, is when it comes to sort of uh, – Behavior with the media or uh, off-the-court behavior, sort of discipline, maturity, uh, perspective, understanding your gifts and what you have to lose. I do think we're at an all-time high when it comes to these athletes. I think part of it is a little sad because I do think these guys, especially when it comes to elite basketball players, I think that a, a guy like Cade Cunningham, for example, who was the number one overall pick in the league last in the NBA draft last year, he is so well aware at such a young age of how special he is. And it's almost can't miss that this guy's going to be the number one pick since he's like 16 years old. But I do think as a society and just generally the way that modern day athletes operate now, there's a much more acute awareness to all of what you have to lose. And so I think that the, the trials of the NBA lifestyle, the learning curve of you know figuring out how to keep it between the ditches, I think that 
that really has accelerated. And Ryan Rosillo and Bill Simmons talk about that all the time. So I do think in terms of handling sort of the professional lifestyle, the professional way of operating, the professional way of dealing with the media, putting in work on your own, all that stuff, I think these guys are at all-time high, and I think that's why this rookie class is one of the rookie classes that's filled with some of the least busts. Like a lot of times when you have a really good top five, top eight lottery, whatever, you're looking at, oh, man, that guy was such a steal. That guy was not. Or sometimes then you have these great debates like what happens if uh, Dallas would have taken Trey Young instead of Luka Doncic or it wouldn't have traded for each other, the rights to each other. But then both those guys are great players, so it's a great debate. But this rookie class... Headlined by Cade Cunningham, but also featuring Evan Mobley, who's been great in Minnesota, uh, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs. On down the line, it's been really good. I know that you actually highlighted this a couple weeks ago, Andrew, but it just continues to be true, and it seems like these guys are more ready just from like the off-the-court stuff than they've ever been before. They don't get like crushed by... The, the rhythm of, of trying to operate as a professional. Well, we're not seeing these guys hitting uh, the rookie wall. That's what For you sure. always hear about in, in every sport. You get into the season and you're playing an 82-game season for the first time, you get worn down. If you're playing well to start the season, teams start to get the book on you. They start to focus their defense on you. They want to take away the things that you do well. It's all natural, Coulter, to see these guys a lot of the times take a downturn in the second half of the season. We haven't really seen that from any of these guys. I mean, Kate Cunningham's gotten better and better as the season's gone on. Um, And and you're right about just these, these guys being able to handle it. And we've seen it. Not a lot of misses in the first 10 or 15 picks of this draft, even aside from the headliners like Cade Cunningham, like Evan Mobley, uh, who's in Cleveland, by the way. Oh, Cleveland. Sorry, sorry, my bad. Yep, Cleveland for sure. Uh, guys like Scotty Barnes, I think it's a great rookie of the year race between those three, and that's sure. three of the first four picks. But guys like Josh Giddy uh, in Oklahoma City, who had yep. a ton of questions about him coming out of Australia. I mean, Jonathan Kaminga hasn't gotten a ton of run in Golden State, but he's shown a lot of flashes. Guy likes Franz Wagner in Orlando. Who's way better than I thought he was. Way better. Be. Yeah, I, or, I thought he was like the definitive good college player who wouldn't be able to hang in the NBA, but he he's definitely changed my mind. He's way better than I thought he was going to be. Yeah, uh, Herb Jones in New Orleans, mm-hmm. great defensive player. Guys like Alperin Sangoon showing flashes in, in Houston. It's just... One of the deepest drafts that I've ever seen. I, I love what you're saying about these guys being able to handle it. I For wonder sure. if that has to do with, um, you know, a, a lot of these guys coming from a lot of different backgrounds. I think that I think that's one factor. I think that this is something that isn't talked about a lot. And I don't want to make this uh, any sort of controversial. But the reality of the situation is you're talking about really young men. And th- there's a multiple different things that have sort of pointed this out to me. But there was this hilarious and somewhat racy article on ESPN.com a couple years ago all about the prevalence of social media and dating apps and the way that it's affected NBA players. And I think it's a real thing because Jalen Rose talks about this on his podcast all the time. One of the biggest challenges played in the NBA in the 90s was learning how to functionally, as he calls it, champagne and campaign. How do you stay out at the club until 3 in the morning, drinking your champagne, doing what you're going to do, hanging out with the girls, and still go perform like a professional? 
And that, that last generation of guys, there were some legends like Jalen Rose who would just party all the time and still be able to score 18 points in a in a game. Michael Jordan is legendary for staying out till 4 in the morning to the casino. And then Allen Iverson, the king Iverson, of this. Allen Iverson is the king of this, right? I really think that there's a lot of different factors. It's not just Tinder that goes into this. I think there's a lot of different factors. I think these guys are more aware of their health. I think that like things like drinking and smoking and stuff like that are so not mainstream for top-level athletes I do think there's an element of, hey, if you want to go get some girls and you're on the road, you can totally just go get girls in so many different ways now. You don't just have to go to this club and get bottle service and stay out late. But I think that there's just so many different factors that go into it. It's not just, you know, chasing girls. I think it, these guys, they they know so much like, hey, I'm 19 or 20 years old. I'm already in peak physical condition. I have freak natural athletic gifts. Oh, now I'm a millionaire? I'm going to go hire a yoga teacher. I'm going to go hire a massage therapist. I'm going to go hire a personal chef. And now I'm going to be operating at just the highest of high levels. I also think that they get immersed in it so quickly as well, but it's it's, it's maybe not as shocking to them. Like Evan Mobley was getting wine and dined. And, I mean, he was playing for what amounts to a diploma mill in high school where he's playing basically a national level like high school and club schedule. So he's traveling all over the place. He's already meeting guys a couple years older than him and of his same age that are all likely going to the NBA. So you sort of get acclimated to the professional lifestyle, for better or worse, sort of early on, right? Yeah, I think there is a lot of that. I mean, it's gotten to be much more of a a full-time job for these kids coming up in the AAU circuit and, and playing high school, like you mentioned. I also think that... Maybe this is a little bit naive. I think that the NBA is probably doing a better job of of giving these guys the resources to be prepared for that when for they sure. come in. And that's not even guys like Jalen Green who are playing for the G League Ignite team. I, I sure. just think that there's you know, the the pipeline's a little bit smoother now. I also think that there's a cultural thing happening here. Maybe this is for the better, but I, I've noticed this throughout all levels of sports. There used to be a, sort of a hand-in-hand connection with highly competitive people, especially highly competitive males, that also went with risk-taking and irreverence. And I don't notice that nearly as much anymore. Like, most of the hoopers, especially, most of the basketball players I know, they do two things. They hoop and they play video games. They hoop and they chill. That's it. They're not necessarily going out all the time. And, uh, you know, you used to sort of see the guys with the highest confidence levels, the highest uh, athleticism, the highest, all of these things. They would be the ones that were maybe risk-taking the most. And I just don't think it's necessarily as big a part of the equation. We're going to talk more NBA here. Nuana's now ESPN Radio. I got four more of my top storylines from around the league. We are also going to talk some Grizz tennis. We're going to talk business and sports with Justin Angle, specifically about the Final Four, and we'll have our Treasure State Stars for the week. lot upcoming. Don't change the dial. Keep it right here. Nuana's now ESPN Radio. SportsBet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for SportsBet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. 
SportsBet Montana, a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized SportsBet Montana location or by using the SportsBet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since SportsBet Montana launched almost a year ago. And in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. SportsBet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized SportsBet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Catherine Burkoff broke a pair of United States records recently. Jake Sanderson is going to the NHL, and the Grizz softball team earned their first Big Sky Conference win of the season. Hello, I am Coulter Nuana. Burkoff, a Missoula native and Hellgate alum who is currently an All-American junior swimmer at North Carolina State, became the first American woman to ever swim under 49 seconds in the 100-yard backstroke at the NCAA Women's Swimming National Championship meet last week. Burkoff's time of 48.74 seconds beat the previous U.S. national record by four-tenths of a second, and she also set a new collegiate record in the process. Burkoff, who won 16 state championships and set just as many state records during her peerless prep career at Missoula Hellgate, has now won four national titles and earned All-American honors in 13 different races during her decorated career. Last week, she also swam the fastest 50-yard backstroke of all time, clocking in at 22.76 seconds. Sanderson, a Whitefish native who recently competed for Team USA in the Winter Olympics in Beijing, signed with the Ottawa Senators of the NHL last week. The three-year entry-level contract Sanderson will likely not return for his junior season at the University of North Dakota. And the Grizz softball team came up with a 5-4 win over Portland State Sunday in Missoula for the first Big Sky victory of the season. The Grizz fell 3-2 and 4-3 during Saturday's doubleheader to a Vikings team that won the Big Sky tournament last season. This 102.9 ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. Well, this song was supposed to be uh, an intro for Tommy Evans so that we could sit here and argue how you pronounce Macklemore. Some people say Macklemore. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at the pronunciation guide on his Wikipedia. I know some people think Wikipedia is uh, not accurate. I don't know. I think that most of the stuff I read on here is pretty darn accurate. It seems pretty fact-checked to me. Regardless, Macklemore is what it says on here, so I rest my case. But Tommy's not here to argue with me about that. He was going to tell us a funny story, and uh, he still will at a to-be-determined time. So stay tuned for that. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Coming to you from the Northwest Motorsport Studio, you can always check out largest inventory of trucks, Anywhere in the Pacific Northwest, visiting Northwest Motorsport online, nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. Our top five storylines in the NBA continues here, talking uh, all things NBA, about 10 games left in the regular season. Uh, seven to 10, depending on wh- who you're looking at, but more like seven. It, it's, it's like a little bit more than a week left in the regular season. So uh, the playoffs upcoming. And uh, we talked about the, the great rookie class and some of maybe the uh, societal uh, reasons behind these guys being more NBA-ready than ever. Uh, that was our number five storyline of the NBA right now. Number four, you knew I had to talk about him. 
if you've been following along, listening to this show, you know LeBron James is my guy. I know the Lakers are terrible. In fact, the Lakers are my least favorite team in the NBA to watch, and it's not close. And uh, it might be the worst rendition. It's certainly the worst rendition of the LeBron Lakers. It's one of the worst renditions of the Lakers uh, in the modern era of the Lakers. The Let's call it the post-Jerry Buss era since he bought the Lakers in the late 1970s and then you know Showtime Lakers all the way through the 80s and then the K- Shaq Kobe Lakers. Probably going to have to go back to one of those like Smush Parker Lakers teams where Kobe was trying to score 40 a game because they had nothing, nothing, nothing uh, to find this uh, level of Lakers uh, terrible play. But that said, I think, and, and, and this is both worth noting and also affirming to a, a point I've made on this show forever. A lot of times the greatest statistical production actually comes from great players on bad teams. It's like Ryan Tutel and I used to always argue. Passing yards for an NFL quarterback should be way down the list in terms of evaluating them for how good they are. Before this year, Matt Stafford definitely took a huge leap in terms of his legacy. But Matt Stafford with the Detroit Lions had several of the the, uh, most passing yards in a single season in NFL history. Matt Stafford has, I believe, two if not three of the five most completions in a single season in NFL history. Those were for Detroit Lions teams that were winning like three games. They were awful, so he's throwing for a bunch of yards. What I'm getting at here, though, is LeBron James is about to win the scoring title. LeBron James is about to be 37 years old. LeBron James is in his 19th year in the NBA. Actually, LeBron James is already 37 years old. He's actually about to be 38 at the end of this this upcoming calendar year. But LeBron is uh, in his 19th season in the NBA, and he is averaging... 30 points a game, and he's leading the NBA in scoring. It's funny because you look at his shooting splits and you think, man, those are not quite as good as they were when he was an MVP. He's only shooting 52% this year. When he was with Miami on the MVP run, he was shooting like 58% from the floor and 40% from three. Oh, by the way, he's 6'9", so it was almost unfair that he was able to produce at that level. But um, it's just sort of weird. Uh, and we're bringing Andrew Houghton, our producer here at ESPN Radio, out. It's, it's sort of weird that th- this whole season is sort of weird because LeBron tried to play GM in the offseason. It didn't work. They've been so bad. They've been so toxic. But his answer has not been to shut it down and cruise in. He's just like, well, because we suck and everybody can't stop hating on us, I'm just going to go get myself an individual accolade. That Has he ever won a scoring title? He's like, oh, okay, you're 19. I'm going to go get myself a scoring title. Never has. He's going for his first scoring title, which is crazy. People try to discount this, saying that he's stat hunting, whatever, man. I don't care. He's scoring 30 points a game at 37 years old. Like he said, they can't win unless he scores 50 points. I mean, literally, there was a stretch where there are only two wins in like two or three weeks where both games where LeBron scored 50 points. You say you hate watching the Lakers. Lakers are my favorite show on TV right now. It's just incredible, not not because of the basketball. It's terrible basketball, it, it, like you said. True. That's true. It's just in, it's super intense, like cringe comedy. It's incredible. What are they going to do Westbrook's every night? The, Russell, the fact that this is why pro sports are crazy too, though. Because when guys become a certain level of star, they just prop you up and they just make you do it. And Russell Westbrook, no matter if he scores three points or 25 points, no matter what, he sits up there at a press conference every single night and his irreverence and his snarkiness and his just lack of self-awareness. They're, oh, you're right. It's beautiful cinema. cinema. It's it's Hollywood at its finest. Well, it's also great watching these, uh, these younger teams like the New Orleans Pelicans came back from like 20 points down against the Lakers the other night or one of these teams did. Just watching these teams discover themselves and discover that they're actually 
better than this Lakers team that has LeBron James and Russell Westbrook on the floor. Um, it's been unreal. I'm, I'm loving LeBron sort of entering his late career Kobe phase here, and we know they should be back next year depending on what happens with Anthony Davis. But, yeah, man, it, it's all gone for them, and they might not even make the play-in now. They're in the 10th spot in the league. They're only a half game ahead of the San Antonio Spurs for making the play-in tournament. How about the Spurs? How did the Spurs fall? I mean, I guess the, the level of consistent excellence was so unbelievable. In, in fact, precedent-setting. In fact, probably the greatest 25-year run, 20, 20 yeah. 25-year run in, in league history. But it is sort of strange to see San Antonio just sitting there in 11th place. But it's also strange to see this Los Angeles Lakers team just plummeting. I mean, you look at their splits and stuff, man, they, they're they just having a, a hell of a time. I mean, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league. They're giving up like 116 points per game. They're only 20-18 and 18 at home. That in itself just seems wild considering their like home court advantage and, and just how they've just perennially been so good in L.A., it's a it's a weird it's a weird deal, but I also do give LeBron credit. This is the one piece I'd give him credit for. Is you could say, okay, he's just selfish. He's trying to make this about him. But I think LeBron James knows that this the ship on this season has sailed Absolutely. in terms of winning a championship. He could have easily just shut it down. And he's done that before. He did that in his first Lakers season, right? Right. Where uh, where they weren't going to make the playoffs, and he just kind of shut it down with the ankle thing. But yeah, he's he's not doing that this year. Yeah. So. I don't know. Interesting to track the king. I also just find it fascinating that we've we've almost accepted it as just like a, a cultural norm that LeBron James is just the, one of the great athletes on the planet. But he, it, his legend continues to get accentuated without people talking about his legend getting accentuated. Now you turn on the NBA all the time, and who's on the halftime show? Dwayne Wade, same draft. Who's you know, making corner threes for the Blazers as this, like, completely antiquated guy. Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo's on the Lakers, dude. Uh, he, he, Carmelo's on the Lakers now. Okay, that's right, because they unloaded. The Blazers went full fire sale and unloaded C.J. McCollum. Yeah. Got rid of Carmelo Anthony. Right. Yeah, Melo gets in the game sometimes, whatever. It's just, it's crazy to think because you, you have, like, great respect for Carmelo Anthony for still being able to, like, get into an NBA game and make a shot. Right. LeBron James, same draft. 30 points a game. Here's the stat that I think encapsulates it. The the This is the greatest, of course, age 38 scoring season of all time. <laughs> of course. Highest right. scoring average in an age 38 season. Yeah. You know what the second best is? I think it's like 14 points by Carl Malone <laughs> back in the 90s when oh. he was just barely hanging on and him, oh, and, and him and Stockton were just barely hanging on. The last thing about this Lakers team, it, it is just there's an added element of it because it is just the Lakers. And I wish you would have talked about this sort of in conjunction with you were talking about winning time yesterday. You see that is that period is sort of the start of the Lakers mystique, man. They just have always had that. And that wasn't the start because they had Jerry West and Elgin Baylor back in the 60s. They've always been one of the great teams. But that was one of the top periods of that sort of Lakers aura and, and mystique around them, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you, you're, I guess that shows about that environment being created. And they've basically had it from then up until now, for except sure. for a couple of those years. I mean, the the Nash Dwight Howard years were pretty sure. bad, like you said, those Smush Parker years. But they've they've always had it, and now it's like you, you're seeing it wash away in real time. You are, except for that we're talking about them. We're sure. talking about the drama and the cinema and all of that. And in Hollywood, that's all you need. That's all you need. That's all you need. 
to Andrew Houghton's point, uh, Nuan is now ESPN Radio. Actually, the, the best scoring season for a 38-year-old, Carl Malone in 2002, 22 and a half points per game. That was Malone's last All-Star season. And then he fell off the map pretty starkly, and at 39 and 30, uh, at 39 and 40, averaged in the mid to low teens. But Malone, I mean, man, Malone was pretty darn durable though. 22 and nine when you're 38 years old with a body like that is uh, is definitely impressive. Here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna take one more break here for hour number one. Come back around. We'll have our top three storylines in the NBA right now, and also talk a little Grizz tennis, which is also a sort of uh, foreshadowing for our Treasure State Stars. So we'll do all of that and more next. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. The Advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that the Advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Ever since I left the city, you got a reputation for yourself now. Everybody knows and I feel left off. Girl, you got me down, you got me stressed off. Cause ever since I left the city, you. Little Drake for ya on your Tuesday. Hope you're having a phenomenal Tuesday. Thanks for hanging out with us. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Maybe you're watching on YouTube, maybe you're streaming the show, however you're listening. Appreciate you listening. A couple quick notes on uh, several different topics that we've been talking about recently. Uh, In transfer news, Northern Colorado's season ended last week in uh, the CIT, and they have several seniors that have played together for a long time, but a couple of those guys had the option to come back, including the really talented big man, Kerr Junkooch, who uh, was very impressive the last time he was in Missoula. So anybody that was at that game when Northern Colorado drilled Montana, he had a couple big dunks and was dominant in the paint, but uh, he has entered the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, recent entry for Montana State, Borja Fernandez, uh, guy got a lot of playing time, uh, a native of Spain, as a freshman, and then this last year sort of fell behind some uh, more talented guys. So he is into the portal at Montana State. Darius Brown from Cal State Northridge transferring into Montana State. So the first incoming transfer portal addition for either of the Montana schools. Another uh, one worth noting, the Big South is, is expanding uh, its conference footprint, including adding Bryant University. So Bryant came to Montana to play Montana State in Jeff Choate's first season. That's probably the most familiarized people out here in Montana have gotten with Bryant. Um, but they've been competing in the Northeastern Conference, which is not a fully funded FCS conference, but is a auto-bid conference. Don't get me into that. That's, uh, I don't think, uh, one of those should not be uh, possible without the other. You should have to be fully funded to get an auto-bid, but we're not going to go down that road right now. And Bryant says... They will make the necessary upgrades to meet the requirements of being a full scholarship FCS program in 2022. So that's an interesting one. Sort of an East Coast school that's not really in the South joining the Big South. So um, interesting. Uh, Just thought that one was worth noting. And then lastly, 
uh, Southern Utah, the last Big Sky Conference basketball team of either men or women, still playing until last night. And they lost in the semifinals of the Basketball Classic. They fell 67-48 to Fresno State. So Southern Utah's last year of the Big Sky Conference, they finished with a 14-6 record in league play, alone in second place, and they won 23 overall games. So they're on their way to the WAC. What does that mean for the program? What does that mean for Todd Simon, who's a name that has been floated around? Southern Utah's coach as maybe a guy that could potentially get a, another job. I don't know. Uh, a lot on the horizon for Southern Utah and probably not a lot that we're going to talk about because they're no longer in the Big Sky Conference, so not as much uh, interest. I talked about this yesterday, but worth noting, the tennis teams, both the men's tennis teams are both Montana Montana State, very good this year, both in the top 70 in the national rankings. The Bobcats moved to 4-0 and in Big Sky Conference play this past weekend, and the Grizz moved to 3-0, and and... Uh, on the uh, part of that success, excuse me, success for Montana came from Gustav Thielgard, who's the outstanding freshman from Denmark. He uh, went undefeated, taking a six-one doubles win to pick up his ninth straight win. Uh, excuse, excuse me, he won in doubles and singles, so he had his ninth straight singles win, each by straight sets, and he stayed unbeaten this season. He's the Big Sky Conference Men's Tennis Player of the Week this week. And that's his second honor. And it's the fifth time that the Grizz have um, had Player of the Week honors already this season. Jason Brown, the head coach of the Grizz tennis team, said, Gustav's having as good of a freshman season as I've ever seen in the Big Sky Cowards. He's doing everything it takes to be a successful student athlete. He's working hard, improving every week, and taking care of business on and off the court. Couldn't be more proud of him. Both Jason Brown and Gustav Thilgard will join us here on Nuanas Now as part of our ESPN Roundtable tomorrow. So 5 o'clock, you can tune in. That'll be fun. Um, Eric Tabor, the Sports Information Director at Montana, has deemed uh, Thilgard the Yvonne Drago of the uh, Big Sky Tennis Ranks, which is pretty funny. For those familiar with the Rocky series of movies, Ivan Drago was the, uh, the Soviet boxer that I believe kills Clubber Lang, right? Kill, no, kills, kills, kills Apollo, Apollo Creed. Creed. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Come on. Right, and then and then Mr. T is Clubber Lang, right? And right. No, 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 and Ivan Drago's the fourth one, right? Okay, I got them all mixed up. Rocky Three is when Clubber Lang is in the mix with Mr. T. Jeff Safford's giving me a thumbs up. And uh, then Rocky Four is Ivan Drago, the, the cultivated... Uh, <laughs> we won't even go down that road. A lot of mind control going on there with the, uh, the, the brave... The brave Italian Rocky Balboa versus the uh, the Soviet. But regardless, uh, should be a fun interview. Tabor has touted that Thilgard sort of has nerves of steel, sort of Mr. Ice, and uh, he's proved that so far. So we'll be excited to have those guys in. Uh, always fun because you get a, little, get a little Montana angle and you also get a little international angle with the tennis teams. Jason Brown, the head coach, he's a Conrad guy. So he's a Class B guy, Conrad, Conrad Cowboy, and uh, bringing a, a young man from Denmark in studio tomorrow. So that'll be fun. Uh, we're going to probably have our NBA conversation trickle in to our number two, but we'll do one more storyline and maybe we'll circle back around to these. Uh, my third storyline in the NBA right now is the Minnesota Timberwolves finally being competitive. First time they've been really competitive in the post Kevin Garnett era, probably honestly. And um, it's funny because the Philadelphia 76ers sort of, sort of put the spotlight on themselves by 
diving into what they called the process, where they were essentially tanking, not essentially, they were they were openly tanking in the effort to get um, top draft picks. And then they ended up getting multiple lottery picks, including multiple top three picks and a couple number one picks. And they used those number one picks on guys like Ben Simmons and guys like Markel Fultz. People forget Joel Embiid was actually not the number one overall pick. I think he was second or third that year. But they had a whole bunch of top ten picks. New Orleans Noel was a top five or six guy that that didn't pan out. Jaleel Okafor, another guy that was a top pick that didn't pan out. But Philly took a ton of heat for the tanking, for the process, and for it not really coming to fruition until these last couple years. And uh, it still didn't work out that swimmingly because they had to trade Markel Fultz because he couldn't figure out how to shoot whatsoever. And then they had to trade Ben Simmons because he couldn't figure out how to show up to work whatsoever. So you basically had the process only result in Joel Embiid, which ironically is actually probably better for them as it is right now. But Philly took a lot of heat, and they were a a topic of conversation for that. But I think that because the Minnesota Timberwolves are in Minneapolis, sort of this outpost of the NBA, you... Uh, they didn't receive as much scrutiny, but they had multiple number one picks as well. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns have put up numbers during his NBA career. It hasn't resulted in very many wins. So you're just sitting there thinking, is this guy just stacking the stat sheet on just terrible teams? You don't know. And then Andrew Wiggins could never really find his footing there. And then they got Anthony Edwards last year. Well, they're finally starting to put it all together. I think part of it is the fact that you do have some perennial powers in the West that aren't very good, like the Lakers, like the Spurs, like the Clippers. Funny to call the Clippers a perennial power, but they have been. They've been competitive at least these last 10 years or so. Post-Donald Sterling era, they've been competitive. And uh, But now here the Timberwolves are. They're 10 games over 500. This last little month or six weeks or so, they've been one of the best teams in the NBA Carl Anthony Towns has been awesome. He's been cooking people. He's had a couple unbelievable games. He scored 60-plus a little while back, maybe a week or two ago. And he's been great. He's been looking like what people hoped and thought he could become. Excuse me, exactly a 60-burger against the Spurs in a 149-139 victory in San Antonio. Unbelievable. He hit seven threes in that game. And went 19 of 31 from the field. So pretty efficient. 15 of 16 from the free throw line and scoring 60. But he scored 30 multiple other times this month. Flirted with 40 a couple times. So he's sort of putting it together. uh, Sort of under the radar. But Anthony Edwards has been very good as well. We discussed the rookies and how good they've been. Anthony Edwards was pretty good as a rookie. But he's been very good as a second-year player. He's averaging about 20-plus points per game. Um, It seems like... D'Angelo Russell sort of found his niche. He's a little bit better as well. So the Timberwolves probably get the least spotlight, the least coverage of anybody because they are in this outpost. It's it's like a mid-sized market, and they haven't had that 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 uh, sort of magnetizing superstar like they had when they had Kevin Garnett. Maybe Carl Anthony Towns could become that. But, um, Andrew, before we put the, the bow here on our number one, what have you thought of the T-Wolves? It seems like... Uh, it's it's been both a surprising and undertold story in the NBA so far this year. Well, I think Anthony Edwards has been a perfect fit for them and a perfect fit for Carl Anthony Towns. Not so much um, on the court stuff. I mean, he is a good fit because he is that perimeter scorer next to Towns who can post up, who can shoot. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is one of the most well-rounded offensive players in the entire league. But I think the thing with Carl Anthony Towns and sort of the dig on him was he never wanted to be the guy who takes charge, and that extends sort of to off the court. I mean, 
Carl Anthony Towns is a quiet guy. He's like one of those guys that you were talking about. He only wants to play basketball and play video games. Right. He, <laughs> he, he's not the guy who's that that fired-up leader. He's not the guy who sure. wants the pressure of the media on him. Well, Anthony Edwards loves that stuff, man. Oh, Anthony, Anthony Edwards, Edwards is, is already yeah. one of the best interviews in the league. He wants as many cameras on him as, as possible. That sort of stuff, I mean, it's, you know, just speculation here, but that sort of stuff allows a guy like Carl Anthony Towns to focus on what he wants to focus on. Three different things there. One, I think it's awesome when we see people, because these, these athletes are still humans, encounter incredible adversity and then use that to sort of launch themselves into a reiteration of themselves or, a, you know, a more focused or driven or better version of themselves. And Carl Anthony Towns lost his mother to COVID, and it seems like that has been a, an influencing factor in him really sort of growing up and maturing and, and sort of launching his career into the level that I think a lot of people expected of him. Secondly, Anthony Edwards is absolutely made to be a star. Brian Fish, uh, the head coach at Montana State for five seasons, a guy I became good friends with, he was the director of player personnel on Tom Crean's staff. Those guys just got let go a couple weeks ago, so shout-out to, to Fish. We're thinking about you. Hopefully you land on your feet. Um, a guy that has always been great to me. But he's, he came on this show, and Anthony Edwards was the number one pick, and he talked about what the year of Anthony Edwards at Georgia was like. I mean, you got LeBron James and – you know, Drake and Jay-Z calling Georgia, being like, hey, Fish, let me in the side door. We're coming to see Anthony Edwards practice. And it's like, Fish is sitting here thinking, like, LeBron James is here to watch an 18-year-old practice. How big of a star can this kid possibly be? And so uh, it is. He is sort of he is sort of made for it, and uh, it is pretty cool. Nuanas Dow, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. We'll be uh, continuing our NBA storylines in hour number two, and we're also going to hear but one of our favorite guys, Justin Engel, a business angle, the overlay between business and sports. What sort of pull or push from a marketing and exposure standpoint can having an iconic head basketball coach have? And what do the networks think of Duke, North Carolina, the Final Four edition? All that and more on the business angle. Keep it right here. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. SportsBet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for SportsBet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. SportsBet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized SportsBet Montana location or by using the SportsBet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since SportsBet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. SportsBet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized SportsBet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.